0: The essence of worship is to treasure the beauty and the worth of the living God. The essence of worship is not in a song that is sung or a sermon that is preached. Those are instruments for worship. The essence of worship is adoration and service, devotion and covenant commitment to the living God. Today, we have come here to encounter God in all of his majesty and holiness and love and truth and grace. We have gathered here to bow before him who is our king. On this day, and if you are a guest of ours today, I I want you to know we don't do what we're about to do the way we're about to do it uh, regularly. Uh, For some, this will be the very first time, or most of us, be the very first time we've ever had a worship gathering like this at First Norfolk. But one of the values that we have as a church is to express honor to God in every area of our life and to exalt Jesus Christ as the glue that holds our church together. And so for us to worship God, sometimes that means we have to remove pretty much everything else. In order to worship God with crystal clarity, uh, not worship a song, not worship a sermon, not wor- worship lights or sound or anything like that, for us to worship Christ, the King, with absolute clarity, sometimes that means we need to remove all the other stuff. And so that's what we're doing in some way today. We are celebrating communion. Uh, Communion, the Lord's Supper, the Eucharist, uh, three titles for the same thing. This supper that we're about to take is worship. Uh, Through the supper, we treasure the beauty and the worth and the glory and the holiness and the majesty and the mercy and the love of Jesus Christ. The instruments that help us do this is the word of God and the elements of the communion. When we take communion together like this, understand we are going old school. When I say old school, I'm not talking 10 years ago. I'm not talking 50 years ago. I'm not talking about 100 years ago or even 400 years ago. When we go old school, we're going back to the ancient tradition of the church, to the ancient practice of the church, to the ancient value of the church. It is communion that the church has celebrated for its thousands of years in existence. It is communion that helps us connect in worship, adoration, devotion to Jesus Christ, the King. There are a lot of reasons why people go to church, but there's only one thing that makes us the church, and that is Jesus Christ, His death on the cross for our sin, and His resurrection from the dead that gives us new life. There are a lot of reasons why people go to church, but there's only one thing that makes us the church, and that is what we celebrate with communion. So as we come this morning and celebrate communion, communion together, it is a privilege that God has given us. But it's also an opportunity for us to reorient our thinking again. And we need this. We need to reorient the way we see ourselves, our church and where we fit within the framework of God's kingdom. We need to rethink what we value as a church. What is important? And the Bible tells us that what is important is not It's not the sermon. Although that's good. And it's not the song although that's good it's not what you like it's not what I like what is most important is getting together to worship Jesus Christ the King that is what is important and that's what we're going to do today as we come to communion It's it's my prayer that each of us would allow the Spirit of God through the Word of God and through this time of worship to uh, adjust our way of thinking and adjust our way of living so that when we think of how I'm going to make it through Monday, I'm thinking how I'm going to honor Jesus with all that I am. You see, that's what worship is. Worship isn't merely me receiving stuff. Isn't that how we so often define it? When someone sings a great song that moves us, oh, I'm so thankful that I received that today. Or the preacher stands and gives a word from God's word that, that, that touches your heart, and you say, I'm so glad I received that today. Or someone in the family of faith goes to another person in the family of faith and encourages them and you say, I'm so glad I received that today. All those things are good. I'm not saying they're bad. All those things are good, but that is not the whole of worship. You see, the whole of worship is me receiving those things and also me giving myself away in service to the King of glory every moment that I live. It's not merely me getting to a place and getting my stuff, but rather it's getting the stuff so that I can leave this place and give all that I am for the king of glory. Every emotion, every will, every dime, every, uh, every demand, every, every heartbeat, every relationship, everything that makes up Eric Thomas. Worship is where I lay that before Jesus and say, it's yours. I am yours. And when we take communion together, that's what communion does. It helps us focus in on how I belong to Jesus. When the Apostle Paul was writing to the church at Corinth, he was writing to a church in a mess. I mean, they were a hot mess. They were so confused about what it means to be followers of Jesus and what it means to be the church. They were so confused and and fighting one another. They were divided as a church in so many different ways. And and they were a mess. They were wrong doctrinally. Uh, They were wrong relationally. Uh, They were wrong ecclesiologically, how they did church. They were wrong in all those things. And yet, Jesus still considered them the field in which God did his work. He still valued them as the temple in which the Holy Spirit dwelt. Jesus still considered them his people, no matter how messy they were. Isn't that good news for us? So God then sent Paul to write them a letter, and in that letter, he began to correct certain things. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, he began to speak to them about the Lord's Supper. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, beginning verse 23, Paul writes, I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Verse 27. Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But let a person examine himself or herself and let him or her eat of the bread and drink of the cup. I want us to just kind of lean in here for a second because there are two questions that we need to answer before we take communion. You see, this is more than just a tradition we follow. It's more than just a Baptist thing we do. It's more than merely uh, following some ritual. This is a meal of worship to Christ the King. So how we do it is important, okay? How we do it is important. The first question we need to ask is, Should I take the meal at all? Should I take it at all? Well, there are conditions to taking the meal. The first one is you have to be a follower of Jesus. If you're not a follower of Jesus, and what I mean by that, I don't mean I'm a Baptist or a Catholic or a Methodist or Episcopalian or whatever. I'm not talking about the flavor of faith tradition that you've always attended. Now, when, when, when I'm talking about a follower of Jesus, I'm talking about have I been transformed by God's grace through faith in Jesus? Has there been a moment in time in my life where I have moved from darkness and death into light and life because I see that Jesus died for my sin upon a cross and he was raised from the dead to give me new love? Have I been born again? That's how Jesus described it in John chapter 3. Have I become a a, a new creature in Christ Jesus? Sin has done more than just uh, created this problem in a relationship but uh, no sin has killed us sin kills us and cripples us and we can't fix what our sin has broken so God sends Jesus to fix what we can't fix to fix my dead life how did he do it the Bible says that that uh, Jesus died for our sin on a cross so that we might through faith in him come alive Be made brand new. So the question is not, are you a a faithful religious devotee? The question is, are you a person who has been transformed by God's grace? And if you're not, then this meal is not for you. And I don't don't say that in an ugly kind of way. I'm just saying that's the way the Bible describes it. So, the first question, am I a follower of Jesus? Second question is, is my heart holy? Now, this is important. That's what Paul was getting at in 1 Corinthians 11. He, he understood that, that the people to whom he wrote, the majority of them, they were followers of Jesus, but their hearts were not right with God. Many of you are here today and you're followers of Jesus, but your heart is not right with a holy God. The reason, the reason we have communion is to worship Christ the King. And as followers of Jesus, we worship Christ the King first when we make sure that there is nothing in our lives that are inconsistent with his character. So today, I want all of us to take a moment to allow the Word of God and the Spirit of God to examine our hearts And wherever there is disconnect between us and God's will, wherever there is sin in my life, I'm going to confess it and turn from it. I want us to take a few moments where we allow the Spirit of God and the Word of God to examine our hearts. And when God reveals the sin... By the way, this isn't me talking to you about your sin. There are plenty of lists in Scripture that let us know where where we're getting it right and getting it wrong. Last week, I talked about, uh, I read that passage in 1 Peter where uh, Peter describes sinners like uh, uh, murderers and thieves. Thieves? Thieves. Thieves and evildoers. And then he adds busybodies. In that list, that that was a, a, a I, I, you know I'm not a murderer, and I may not be a thief, but am I a busybody? Other lists he would do the same thing. Paul would add a list. He would say, okay, well there are there are uh, uh, adulterers and there are uh, uh, murderers, and then there are gossips and slanderers. And it's the same list. Boy, we like to make hay over all those sins that are going, outside, going on outside of this room. But today, before we take communion, we need to deal with the sin that's going on right here. We need to take the time to be made holy and the good news is, is when we confess our sin, that God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness because we're his children. When we come to him and come clean about our sin to him, he forgives our sins. so in these next few moments, in these next few moments, we just bow your head all around the room? Bow your head. Let's prepare our hearts for communion. Will you confess your sin and turn from it? Oh, Father, as you hear the prayers of your people, as we come clean about our sin this morning, as we confess it before you to turn from it, will you cleanse us and prepare our hearts for communion today? Luke chapter 22. When the hour had come, in verse 14, when the hour had come, Jesus sat down and the 12 apostles with him. And he said to them, With fervent desire, I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say to you, I will no longer eat of it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took the cup. And he gave thanks, and he said, Take this and divide it among yourselves, for I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, and he gave thanks, and he broke it, and he gave it to them, and he said, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Likewise, he also took the cup after the supper, and he said, This cup Is the new covenant in my blood, which is shed for you? Jesus had a fervent desire to be with his followers. Can I tell you, Jesus still has a fervent desire to be with his followers. With that fervent desire, he wanted to celebrate this meal. Now, this meal was the Passover meal. Uh, that every faithful Jewish person would have celebrated for all of their life but Jesus filled this Passover meal with new significance as he took two elements from the meal he pointed he pointed to himself he pointed to his own suffering he pointed to his own sacrifice He pointed to not a a momentary forgiveness for sins of committed yesterday, but he pointed to a forever forgiveness for all who would by faith trust in him. And Jesus pointed to the bread and his broken body to the cup and his shed blood that brings forgiveness of sin and new life through faith in him. Like God used Moses as an instrument of his rescue for the children of Israel escaping bondage in Egypt. So God sent Jesus to bring rescue to every person who would by faith trust Jesus as Savior and King. And you and I are here today and we are celebrating our victory in Jesus. Not victory that you had gained. Through your own efforts or your own good works or your own activity no 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 we're here to celebrate the victory that came to us through Jesus we're here to set our focus on Jesus to worship Jesus you know Psalm 103 verses 1 and 2 bless the Lord O my soul and all that is within me bless his holy name Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. You know what that means, forget not all his benefits? It means choose to remember and refuse to forget. I refuse to forget. I refuse to forget my sin. Guys, listen. Not one person in here deserves what God in his grace has provided through Jesus Christ. None of us. I choose to remember my Savior. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when I was dead in my trespasses, he has made me alive together in Christ Jesus by grace grace. I've been saved. I refuse to forget my sin, the weight of my sin. My sin is no small thing. My sin took the death of the king of glory, the creator of the cosmos, Jesus Christ, to cleanse it. Our sin is not some small little moral malady. Our sin has killed us, has crippled us, And there's nothing we can do to fix it. I choose to remember my Savior. Isaiah the prophet, surely Jesus has borne our griefs and he's carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. All we like sheep have gone astray. All we, like sheep, have gone astray. I refuse to forget my sin. All we, like sheep, have gone astray. But God has laid upon Jesus the iniquity of us all. I choose to remember my Savior. Christ died for sinners. And it's not because somehow he looked at you and said, boy, Eric sure is worth me dying for. Oh, you know, Eric, he might might find the cure for cancer. Oh, Eric, he might be a good sports person. Oh, Eric, he's got charisma. So I'm going to die for him. There was nothing in Eric Thomas of value for Jesus to die for. But Jesus still determined that we were worth it, all because of his love. The apostle Paul wrote, For when we were still without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. Scarcely for a righteous man will someone die. Perhaps for a good man, someone would dare to die. But God demonstrates his love toward us and that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. See, when we take the bread and when we take the cup, we're taking the whole story of our hero in our hands. The whole story of the one who is champion of our salvation. The whole story of the only avenue for us to have life and hope and peace and purpose. We're taking it in our hands and we're saying, oh, Jesus, I worship you. This isn't just taking a wafer in a cup. This isn't just following a tradition that we've always done. This is worship where we remember our Savior and where we commit our life to Him. You see, worship is not worship unless it has all of me. Worship is not worship with just half of me. Worship is not worship if it's just a a one-day-a-week kind of thing. Worship is only worship when it has all that I am. It's what Paul was getting at in Romans chapter 12 when he said, I beseech you, I beg you, by the mercies of God, That you present yourselves a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable, which is your reasonable service of worship. I beg you, brethren and sistren, I beg you, based upon all that God has done in his mercy and his steadfast love for us, I beg you. Don't be conformed any longer to the mold of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I beg you, be a living sacrifice. That's what worship is. It's not me saying, oh, I'm going to take a little bite and have a little drink of these elements of communion, and that's all there is. That's not worship. Worship is where I reorient my thinking and my Doing and my willing and my feeling. I I reorient it all in submission to Jesus Christ, my King. When we take communion, we're receiving and celebrating with great joy all that God has done for us in Christ. And we adore the King who died for me so that I might live for him. I receive, but I also give. Paul said it this way in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. He said, we judge thusly that if one died for all, then all have died. And Jesus died for all. But here's the kicker. Jesus died for all so that those who live should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. When we take communion, it's not just us celebrating what Jesus has done for us, but in an act of worship, adoration, we declare, I no longer live for myself. I now live for you. I no longer live for my pleasure i live for your pleasure i no longer live for my honor i live for your honor i no longer live for myself i live for him who died for me and rose again this is what worship is we set our gaze upon jesus the king of glory and we commit all that we are to him So the question is, are you ready? Are you ready to take the bread and take the cup? In Luke 22, it says, Jesus took the bread and he broke it. And he passed it to his disciples and said, this is my body given for you. Jesus gave his all. All he had he gave this is my body broken for you and as we take the cup as we take the bread and passes our lips we receive and celebrate that jesus was broken so that i could be made whole but as we take the bread and it passes our lips we're also declaring, Jesus, just as you gave your body your all for me, I give my all to you. Jesus, I belong to you. All that I am is yours. I live no longer for myself, but for him who died for me and rose again. Jesus took the cup and he poured it and he said, this is my blood, the blood of the new covenant, shed for many for the forgiveness of sin. And I think this is the blood that Jesus poured out in his death so that I might have life so that I might be forgiven my sin. It is through the shedding of his blood that I find forgiveness. All the sin of my past, all my failures, all my death-dealing blows of rebellion against God have been forgiven because Jesus died on a cross for me. I give you praise, my King. But as Jesus died for me, I live for Him. I pour out my life in service to Him. Today, are you ready for communion? Will you just bow your heads again? In these next few moments, will you take the time? to talk to the Father about your commitment in service to Him. Will you worship God right now with your mind and with your feeling, with your will? Will you declare your adoration and your allegiance to Jesus Christ the King? Lord God, I pray that you would hear your people praying and that by your spirit, according to your great word, that you would shape our worship individually and corporately today so that as we take communion together as the church, it might be an unleashing of your army of people to be your voice and your hands and your feet in the seven cities of Hampton Roads and around the world that we would be your people worshiping you as living sacrifices that we would rejoice and celebrate and give you thanks and praise for you are the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world and may we bow before you in service and in submission so that we live no longer for what we want, but now we live for what you want. Now be glorified among your people as we worship you and as we come to the table. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. So, I shared this is a different way of doing our worship, stripped down, totally focused on Christ. And one of the ways that we're going to make this different is normally our deacons will pass the elements. Uh, We're not going to do that today. If you're unable to get up, we understand we'll be looking for you and we'll get the elements to you. But just as the wafer and the cup are tangible. Symbolic representations of the body and the blood of Jesus, but they're tangible. I want us as a church to tangibly act. Not merely receive, but to act. And so I'm going to invite you, if you are ready for communion, our gentlemen are going to stand here at the front with the elements in hand in the balcony. And I want you to get up, and I want you to go, and I want you to take the bread and take the cup. And when you are ready, you eat the bread and you drink the cup as an act of celebration and worship, adoration, and as a commitment. All that I am, oh Jesus, belongs to you. Gentlemen, you come get your plates. Church family, as you're ready, y'all just come get them. Church family, as you're ready, you come get the elements.